shout of praise if you know he's greater. Come on. Oh, he deserves it. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Yes, you are, Lord. We've seen you time and again, Lord. Just work what you do, Lord. You're bigger, greater, stronger. Thank you, Jesus, that you are. And we get become, we get to come into your presence tonight, Lord, because you are bigger, better, stronger, and greater than our mountains, Jesus. Tonight, Lord, we give you thanks, and we declare, Lord, that you are bigger, that you are greater, and we say, great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Sing it. You give life, you are love, you bring light to the darkness, you give hope, you restore every heart that is broken. That's right. Great are you, Lord. Young people, let me hear you sing it. Come on, say, you give life.
Somebody give him a shout of praise tonight. Yeah. God, you're so good. We stand here tonight, Lord, just amazed at who you are. The magnitude of our God. That we get to call him Father that he calls us his friend. Come on. We declare it again. All the earth will shout your praise. Come on. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will stay. Great are you, Lord. All the mighty men of God within the sound of my voice, sing it. Say it. Mighty woman of God, lift your voice. Oh, yeah. Young people in the house, come on, lift your voice. Pray, huh? Oh, you Lord. Woo. Oh, all together is one beautiful choir. We say, all the earth. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will black at all anymore. I don't see black at all anymore. I see color. I see people, but it's not fine tuned. I don't know what God is going to continue to do, but I thank him for what he has done. And now I share that testimony because some of you watching online and some of you right now, as we get ready to pray, some of you don't even pray anymore. You just said, Yapake, which means, what's the use? I pray, 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 and nothing's happened. I'm telling you, 
Don't give up. Have a tenacity. You hold on and you keep fighting through till you see it happen. Amen? So, Father, thank you for these amazing men and women here in this room and those online. Father God, your spirit is doing such amazing things. Father, teach us how to get out of the way. Teach us how to flow in the rhythm of the kingdom. Father, let's open our eyes that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open up our spirit to only the spirit of the living God. Every other spirit in Jesus' name, get out of here. You have no business here. You're not going to distract us. You're not going to confuse us. You're not going to put doubt in our mind. We are going to believe. And Lord, help our unbelief. So, Father God, we believe that, Lord, nothing is impossible for you. So, Father God, even the impossible is possible for you. So no matter what the doctors have said or what people have said, Lord God, it's not over till we finally see you face to face. So, God, I pray that you raise up marriages, raise up homes, raise up relationships, raise up finances, raise up the sick. I pray that, Lord God, you bring a supernatural move of your Holy Spirit in our city, in our government, in our schools, in every area, Lord God, that is affecting New Mexico. Stop every fire, Lord. Bring it under control and let there be a move of God. Thank you for what you're doing right now. Father, we're right around the corner from camp. Lord, I pray there be such a move of your Holy Spirit at camp that God, young boys and girls and young teenagers and Lord, young, they're just going to be radically set on fire for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Be with our families. Be with our homes. Be with us here tonight. I pray in the supernatural presence and name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names. And everyone says, Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Hey, turn to someone and say, I am so glad you made it today. I am so glad you came today. I'm so glad because God has a word for you. Speak that into them. Say, God has a word for you. Now, that's all you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to look at each other's hairdo and dress and outfit. You can all be seated. I just want to remind you of some of the announcements. Don't forget, on Sunday mornings, we have Fortify Your Spiritual Strength class every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. Don't forget, this Friday, that's in two days, we have our mobile distri food distribution. It's, we need all volunteers here at 10 o'clock. 12 noon, we start distributing. Now, if we get it done in time, we'll distribute. Saturday, I want to let you know that there's a very special event here. Under his construction, ministries are having what they're calling a doll's fashion show. And they've literally been dressing up like Barbie dolls and Barbie and Ken. And it's going to be a great time. It's going to start at 5 p.m. All the information is at their table out there. You can find out all about it. Also, don't forget, you know what Sunday is? Father's Day. Father's Day. Yeah, it's Father's Day, so don't forget. 
Don't forget the dads. It's always mom, mom, mom. How about dad, dad, dad? So don't forget your dads. want to let you know also on the 26th, we're having baptism service. And it's always a fun time, a great time. So please make sure you have that and you're part of that. And also, we have a new discipleship class with Pastor Sonia Cleveland is going to be on June 26th. And uh, that's going to be at 12 noon. And uh, it's going to be a great time. So we hope that you're going to be here for that. Young people, all the youth, you're dismissed. To just go get rowdy for Jesus. That sixth grade, that 12th grade, you guys are dismissed. It's going to be an amazing time. Thank you guys for joining us for worship. Guys, last week I introduced uh, Brother Pastor Reverend Brother Friend Steve Stewart. He heads Impact Nation Ministry. They have a table set up out there. Because our church, they're making an invitation for us to join them in Uganda. It's in Uganda, Africa. And it's going to be in September, the end of September, rolling into October. It's a great, great ministry. He'll tell you more about it. And he's got a few of his books here tonight. If you haven't heard him preach, man, you're in for an amazing treat. God just flowed last week, and we're believing it's going to keep happening. So buckle up, because he's going to take us fast and furious into the presence of Almighty God. Would you give it up for my brother, my friend, Steve Stewart. I see green. Man, I was getting panicking. I was about to say, and so in conclusion. Um, yeah, we've got uh, uh, Debbie Porter, one of our staff, is at a book table. And, and uh, Pastor Richard and I talked about this a couple of days ago. I've got different books that I've written there, but there's two I really wanted to point out. One is called When Everything Changes, because what we're covering pretty quickly, these few nights, uh, you can go a lot deeper with. And the other one is called The Journey, and it's just a, about 35 stories from, uh, from all over the world. So that's just to encourage you. Well, how's everybody doing? Um, good. We have that in common. I'm doing pretty good, too. Except I should have got this up. There we go. I see it now. No, I don't. I have a podcast <clears throat> that I was working on all day, and uh, you probably don't want me to get up and talk about First John tonight, because that's what kicked up. Just a second. Sorry, I should have been much more organized. Uh-oh, it says I'm offline. Now I'm really in trouble. Um, Pastor Cindy, could you get me online? Or Richard or somebody? 
while they're doing that, I'll just tell a few of my favorite jokes. No, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I will say this. Last week, we started what I think is going to be four Wednesdays, and uh, we talked about learning to move in the rhythm of the kingdom. And we said that um, every kingdom has a what? A king. You were a lot sharper last week. Um, And I said that what you believe about the king will determine the way you live your life. I promise you that. So it's really important that we understand. Thank you. Wow. There we are. Um, Oh, we're having fun. I really am sorry that I didn't realize I didn't have that up. Um, I just want to say this. I started off, I'm going to go quick because I don't have this up right now, but last week I gave you um, a scripture from Colossians 1, and I told you Colossians 1, 15 to 20 is, the, the, I think, the greatest hymn in the New Testament about Christ. There's two main ones, that one and, and Philippians 2. And, and um, I was thinking while we were worshiping, which I loved, by the way, um, in, in Hebrews 1, Verse 3, in John 1, 1 and 2, they're all saying the same thing. Christ, the Word, the Logos, fully God, fully man. Um, And this becomes so important for us to understand. If we're going to learn about the kingdom, we must have a proper understanding of who the king is. And he's really quite amazing. (coughs) Do you remember last, last week I said to you that when Jesus called the disciples said, come follow me. He said, come follow me. There's a job to do. Do you remember that? Anybody? Okay. Thank you for the three of you who remember that. That's great. (laughs) Wow. Um, He didn't say, come follow me and your life will get healed and come follow me. I'll lead you to the father. He didn't say, come follow me. You'll go to heaven. He never said that. But he said, come follow me. I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. Come follow me. There's a job to do. And out of that, it touched that great universal need for significance. And as I said last week, as they followed him, by the way, Jesus is always on the move. Um, As they actually followed him and learned to walk the Jesus way, their hearts got healed. They met the Father and he said, you're going to be with me forever. But that wasn't the nature of the call. So we talked about that. We, we looked at, as I said, that Colossians. In one verse, I just want to say this, uh, two verses. For through Christ, God created everything. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. He's bigger than we think, folks. I don't care how big you think he is, he's bigger than that. And um, he is, he's from before time. He is, he is beyond time and space. And it says several places in the New Testament that he holds all of creation together. So think about this incredible Jesus. While he's feeding the 5,000, while he's, he's raising Jairus' daughter from the dead, at the same time he's holding the entire cosmos together. The journey the disciples had with Jesus was one of recognizing he's bigger than we thought. He's bigger than we thought. Remember in Mark 4, in the boat, when the wind and the waves, they go, who is this guy? He is 
That's why I believe the more we can, can, can embrace the mystery and the revelation of Christ, the more it leads to us walking in the rhythm of the kingdom. So we talked about that last week. I better move forward. Um, if you remember, we talked about how do you recognize the kingdom? I said that there's three kind of marks of the kingdom. We, we talked about rescue, and we talked about reconciliation, and we talked about restoration. And uh, I was thinking, I thought I'd tell you a story. Is that okay? Um, about rescue. I mean, I, I hardly knew which story, so I was just asking the Lord. But <clears throat> in, in 2010, I heard the Lord tell me to go to Africa. So I went, and I called a, a pastor friend of mine from London, England, and we went together. We went to five nations. While I was there, I discovered a situation in Kenya, city of Nakuru. It's a big city. And uh, that is this, that uh, women, who women and children, of course, are always the poorest, most vulnerable, they would sell really dangerous things on the side of the road, stuff like bananas, and pineapple. <laughs> and the cops would come along and say, have you got a permit? Well, they didn't have any money. They're just trying to put food on the table for their kids. And so they would get hauled off to court and they would uh, get fined. Well, guess what? They didn't have any money for a fine. And so they were put in federal prison. And uh, if they had children five or under, the kids went into the cell with them. The shortest term I ever encountered, and I've met many, was six months, so long as it was eight years. And we, we found out that there was a way by working with the mayor, working with the head of the prisons, he said, if we pay their fines, can they get out? So he's, okay. So, <coughs> pardon me, we... Um, we put it on our website and said for $88 you can get a woman and her kids out of prison and we can get them job training. And people just clicked on that from all over the world and then they let us do it again. Well, God moves beyond all you could think or imagine. The, the bigger you dream, the more you're in the rhythm of the kingdom. I'm just telling you that. So because of that, suddenly they, we, had, we had favor and a few months later, um, I was invited to go into the maximum security prison. And uh, I don't remember, hundreds got, came to Christ. And we got a tank. They brought in a, a water truck right there. They just did it. They got a big old metal tank. And uh, they phoned from the city in the water truck. And 158 people got baptized that day, which was good. And... Um, and then what happened, this is all about rescue, folks. This is about learning this rhythm. I got a call several months later from my friend and partner, Mike Brown, and he was laughing on the phone, and he was, I said, what's going on? He said, because of what happened in getting the women out of prison nine months ago by then, not only did we have that opportunity to baptize, they let him and his team come into the maximum security men's prison and uh, do a Christmas feast. 
They're never allowed to eat meat. They get vegetables and they get maize corn. That's it. But they roasted eight bulls and had this massive feast, 3,000 men. And then they started to sing Christmas carols. And the presence of God fell in the courtyard of the prison. And the warden came over to Mike and said, and I quote, Mike, God's in this place. And he said, that's right, warden. He says, Mike, it's Christmas. Now, you know some of these men. He'd been chaplain. He said, it's Christmas. You pick 200 men, and today I will give them a full pardon. And 200 men got out of prison that day. One of them was a guy named Ellie. And Ellie, when he was 16... With his best friend, they got into a fight, as kids do, and he punched him, and his friend hit his head on a rock and died. So Ellie had been in this prison since he was 16. And that day, he was released, and Ellie was 62. And he came out, he came into a family in the church, and his whole life turned. Now... uh, Thank you for putting up with a long story, but th- I'm trying to tell you it's bigger than one-offs. We start, we take the one-off, we take the one step we can see, and God just multiplies it and multiplies it and multiplies it. When you are moving in the, I was telling this to a pastor last night who phoned me. When you are moving in the rhythm of the kingdom, when you are in the bullseye of God's assignment, it always comes with divine favor like what I just gave you an example of. Okay, i got to move on. Tonight, we're going to talk about... Have we got a slide? We're going to talk about releasing the kingdom. Last week, we talked about recognizing it. This week, we are going to talk about releasing the kingdom. Lord Jesus, help me right now. I'm asking for your anointing. And help us all, Jesus. Amen. I want to say this to you. The cornerstone of the gospel is to demonstrate the love of God. I promise you that. It is not to talk about the love of God. It is not to teach about the love of God. The cornerstone of the gospel is to demonstrate the love of God. Remember... Romans 2.4, it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. To demonstrate the love of God. If it was talking, we'd have got the job done a long time ago, wouldn't we? I took a team up into uh, the Punjab, northern India. And I've been to India nearly for 25 years now. I've been going an awful lot. And the Punjab is the Sikh part of the country, where, where you'll see the, the gentlemen with the, the beards and the turbans and so forth. It's the hardest ground. Everybody knows that. It's the hardest ground for the gospel. And missionaries have gone in there for generations and generations with, with very small results, by and large. But we really heard the Lord say to go. And uh, so... Let me tell you a story about demonstrating the love of God. 
We went into a Sikh, what they call a village, anything up to 30,000 is a village. And we went in and we set up a mobile medical clinic, which is what we do. If you come with us to Uganda, you'll be part of that. You'll be part of getting clean water. You'll be part of feeding the hungry, etc. Come see us out at the table if you want to know more about it. Anyway, let's get back to the Punjab. So the clinic's happening. We got a prayer team out in the courtyard, and they're, they're not, there's not much going on. But we knew that. We went in knowing. We said, we're in for the long game here. But that morning, a family brought in their paralyzed mother. Brought her in on like a cot. And uh, to get medicine. Not to get prayer, to get medicine. And somebody else with people. And we prayed for people and prayed for people and prayed for people, one after another, for about seven hours. And then that night we did an outdoor meeting. And the people were, were this close to me. And I've got pictures of them standing on the roofs of houses and the walls. And, and so many people came to Christ because the kingdom of God was demonstrated. And always, when they would get healed, we would say, that was a gift from Jesus. Do you like that gift? 100% of the time, yeah. Because now I can hear or see your walk. And then we say, you know what? He's got another gift for you. He wants to just live life with you from the inside. Do you want that gift? And they say yes. Can I tell you what happened from that one healing? That one demonstration of the goodness of God. We had to start planting house churches because so many people came to Christ. We were there for, in the Punjab, that part, we were there for maybe six days. So many people came to Christ. We started house churches. And then more and more people would come into the house churches. We had to start more. I can tell you stories. I've got notes here from different places. Bristol, Connecticut did a weekend like this. We went out to a big housing project. Blind eyes open. Uh, people out of work because they, they were in bed with bad backs, all healed. I remember a guy they prayed for. He, he was on disability because his arm didn't work. And he's swinging his arm around. Why am I telling you this? It was a demonstration of the gospel. And it was in the U.S. of A. Right? Okay. Everybody still with me? All right. I want to give you a few simple keys tonight. Don't have a long way to go tonight. Next week, I'm going to teach you on healing. There are many signs of the gospel. I said to you that when... When a, a, a deaf girl hears, the kingdom has come. But I also said to you, when a, when a hungry family gets food, when we get medicine, the kingdom has come. You see, Jesus said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the middle class. Is that what he said? What did he say? To the poor. What we say at Impact Nations all the time, we remind each other, we say, if it's not good news to the poor, then it's not good news. So, the gospel covers more than healing, but it surely includes that. So next week, if you like, I want to teach you on healing, and we're going to heal the sick together, because I know Jesus loves to heal. And I'll tell you all about the why next week. But let's talk about a, a few things about to know about releasing the kingdom. John's prologue, which is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, has been called the most sublime words in all of history. 
And verse 5 says this, And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. This is a really important principle for us. Jesus ran into the darkness. He didn't point a finger at it. He didn't accuse it. I've been to so many churches over the 40 years, and I've I've listened at various times where pastors, well-meaning pastors, send out this schizophrenic message. Come on, bring in the people, bring in the people. But you stay away from where those sinners are. But bring in the people, but stay away from the sinners. Why is the church confused? Jesus ran into the darkness. Remember, remember he, he said, Matthew, Matthew 9, 9, he says, Come follow me. Matthew, the tax gatherer, which is like a thief, right? I mean, the, the tax gatherers were despised. Come follow me. He follows him. What happens? What happened to me? What happened to you? When you meet Jesus, you've got to tell your friends. I didn't have a single Christian friend, and I just had to tell them all, right? So Matthew is met Jesus. Whoa! And he says, Jesus, I'm having a party at my house tonight. You can read all about it in Matthew 9. Having a party at my house tonight. And Jesus said, oh, I really appreciate that, Matt, but I, I, I can't go. There, there's... There's going to be sinners there. I mean, there'll probably be some smoking, some people drinking beer. They might use some bad language. You understand, Matthew. I, I can't. I can't come. No. What did Jesus do? He said, "A party, hot dog," and he went. He ran into the darkness. Religion, which doesn't understand the light, what we carry. Religion stood outside and said, what's he doing with those sinners? Remember, and Jesus said, it's, it's not the, uh, it's not the uh, healthy you need a doctor, but the sick. He ran into the darkness. Why? Because he knew he had the solution for the darkness. Beloved, if Christ is in you, Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of glory in Colossians 1. If the life of Christ is in you, which if you've turned your heart to Him, I promise you it is. His life's in you. Then, as Paul said, we carry with us everywhere the fragrance of Christ. What I often tell people when we go on journeys, I say, oh, by the way, stop trying to be a Christian. You already are. You get it? You get it? Jesus ran into the darkness because he had the solution for the darkness. He knew that when light and darkness come together, something changes and it ain't the light. My wife, Christina, who I'm quite fond of, I was saying to Richard today, we've been married 47 years in a row. And uh, one time we were in... uh, Pattaya, which is the prostitution capital of Thailand. We took a team, and we were doing all kinds of stuff. But they then had 30,000 young girls prostituting. Now it's 50,000. Anyway, what did we, we We wanted to do something. So, yeah, we walked, we prayed, but <clears throat> we knew that we, have, we carry with us the solution 
to the darkness. Remember I said to you last week, you changed the atmosphere. Anybody remember that? So we rented a nice kind of meeting room, ballroom at the Marriott Hotel, if you please. And we got some food and coffee and, you know, snacks and stuff. And then we went out to invite the girls to come. So we've got the stuff and we just want to invite you to come and we want to just talk to you and da-da-da-da-da. And some of them came, but my wife, she's a lioness. She took the team. We had, I think that time we had, I don't know, 30 or so on the team. And she passed the hat said, I need money. Let's have it right now. And nobody says no to Mama Christina. So she went down into the red light district and she went into a brothel where it's a bar and it's like a square horseshoe and the girls are in the middle and the guys just point, I'll take that one or I'll take that one. And uh, she said to the owner, but this stack of money, how many girls can I buy with this? And she led 37 women through downtown Piatus to the place. That night we saw 73 women come to Christ. She ran into the darkness. So, we carry the solution. Jesus never blamed the darkness, the sin in people's lives. He never did. Read it in the Gospels. He never did. Why do we blame darkness for being dark? How many know sinners sin? And Jesus runs right in there with a big smile. And like I told you last week, the most inclusive life ever lived, he says, oh, don't worry about that stuff. You come too. Because he knew that the darkness, when it gets around the light, it's transformed. Everybody got the point? John 1, 5. Light shone in the darkness. Okay, second one. The exchange. Isaiah 61. I'm going to give you, pardon me, verses 1 and 3, I think. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the middle class. Whoops. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, proclaim the captives will be released, and the prisoners will be freed. By the way, we've seen over 7,000 men and women freed from prison now. This gospel's powerful, folks. You get into the rhythm of the gospel, and he does more than you could ever think or imagine. Prisoners freed. To all those who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, joyous blessing instead of mourning, festival praise instead of despair. Good news to the poor. We're sent. We are sent, beloved. This is the Jesus way. When he said, follow me, he's on the move. If I can say this without offending you because you don't even know me yet. Jesus, when he said, come follow me, he never said, come sing songs about following me. He never said, have prayer meetings about follow me. Hello? He said, follow me. And Jesus is always on the move. Always on the move. Okay, I got that out of my system. Beauty for ashes. Wherever he went, 
He took the ashes of people's lives and he gave them something beautiful. He gave Jairus' daughter back, but he gave (coughs) Zacchaeus up the tree. In Jericho, he was known as Zacchaeus the rat fink. And nobody wanted to be with him. And he said, come on down. Today I'm going to be with you. And it healed his heart. His whole life changed. Beauty for the ashes of rejection and frustration and anger. And you can go through, pick your own list. The woman at the well, the, the, the blind. Beauty, he made the exchange. I want to tell you, all of us who are disciples who are going to be and are following the Jesus way. This is your job description. The exchange. Say this. The exchange is my job description. I bring beauty for ashes. There's ashes everywhere. I promise you. They're right on your street. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. The neighbor of yours who who's got laid off a year ago and has no job. The the time you're sitting in Starbucks and you and you hear uh, two tables over, one lady says to another, "Oh my word, I've had this headache for two days." Ashes. The one who's afraid because their seventeen-year-old is getting strung out on drugs. Ashes. And Jesus never went. Oh, that's too bad, and walked away. What's our job? The exchange. You get it? This is what we do all the time. Hmm. There was a, I was in a village in the Philippines, and uh, I was coming out of something with our team. And as I walked out, it was near the end of the day. It was about 4, 4.30. And everywhere all over the world, you know, the developing world, the ladies have worked all day. And that's where they gathered for a few minutes before supper, right? And I'm walking out, and the Lord says to me, that woman over there has a really bad headache, and I'm going to take it away right now. So I said something like that. You know, oh, you have a really bad headache. Yes. Well, Jesus is going to heal it right now. And he did. So then a few more people, and he did. And then somebody said, you've got to come with me right now. And so they took me by the hand, and, and only about as far away as the back of this sanctuary, there was an, a very elderly lady on a bench, and she was blind, and she couldn't walk. And um, I said, well, Jesus will heal you. Actually, I had a picture. I almost brought it, and I forgot to, But because somebody took a picture behind me just at the moment she was healed. Suddenly, her eyes opened, and she jumped up, and she went, ah! It was quite wonderful. I heard somebody say the cornerstone of the gospel is to demonstrate the love of God. Well, 200 people followed me to a basketball court, more than 200, but 200 gave their lives to Jesus. Now, I didn't, I didn't give them apologetics. I didn't give them five reasons. I didn't give them the Roman road. I didn't give them any of that. I just said, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Who wants Jesus? To demonstrate. Okay, better move on. Do you understand there's ashes all around you? Everywhere. And, and so what? We need to learn to recognize the sound of ashes at Smith's. 
unless you're an Albertsons person. I think they have them too. In your neighborhood, in your family, at your work. And we don't run from the darkness. We don't get intimidated. We carry the solution, right? The fragrance of Christ. You really do. I want you to know this. One time I, I, was, I went into a restaurant. It would be like a range cafe here. It was up in Vancouver. I'm a Canadian. Some of you hear that in my voice. Did you know that I'm the only one in this room without an accent? Um, anyway, and so I order my food, and the lady goes away, and she comes back about a, a minute later, and she says, is there anything else you need? I said, no, no, you got my order. Thank you. She comes back a minute later. She says, do you need more water? My glass was full. I said, no, I'm fine. She starts to walk away again, and she stops. And she comes back, and kind of shyly, she says, I- I'm sorry, I-, I don't mean to bother you. But there's just something that feels so good about standing beside you. Now, some of you have had that happen too. And I've had that happen several times. Why am I telling you? The same Christ that is in me is in you. And I walk through this town knowing, knowing he's in me. Knowing I change the atmosphere. for you. So now I want to talk to you about connecting the reality of the kingdom of heaven to the need of the person in front of you, because now you've recognized ashes. But we've got to make a connection. When I travel, I always have my computer with me, of course, but all the countries I'm in, they got power in the walls, most of them 220, but but the plug on my computer won't go into the socket, right? If I'm in Europe or South America or where, it won't go in. So what do I need to do? I have to get an adapter, a connector. I've got a couple of universal connectors because the power's there and I need it here. So I've got to use a connector. Your job description is to make the exchange. Let me say it this way. Your job description is to connect the reality of heaven where there's no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, right? To connect the reality of heaven to the need of that person in front of you. What you are is a kingdom connector. A kingdom connector. So how do we do that? Well, I'm going to give you five words that are going to change many of your lives. Sounds like an infomercial, doesn't it? But it's true. I'm going to give you five words. Have we got any Greek scholars here? We got any Hebrew scholars? Okay. Well, hopefully you can understand it without Greek or Hebrew. Are you ready? Ready for the five words that change everything? May I pray for you. What are the five words? The person beside you didn't get that. Tell them. Ask them that. 
Come on, they didn't understand you. What are the five words? Christian sociologists tell us that 95% of believing Christians never once ask that question outside the safety of their home or their church building. 95%. We're called to release the kingdom. So with the first time, when you see somebody limping on aisle number seven at Smith's ashes, instead of going, oh, well, that looks bad, or I need to remember to pray for them when I get back into my car with the windows up and the radio turned on. Instead, you say, I, I noticed you limping. Oh, yeah. What happened? I, 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 I tripped down the stairs two days ago. My knee's killing me. And then what do you say? What are the five words? That's how you become a kingdom connector. You got it? If you will say those words, I started saying them, I don't know when, 30 years ago, I guess, more. You start doing that, and the first time you do it, it's Smith's, aisle seven, canned goods. Your mouth's dry, your throat's tight, and I pray for you. It's like a 16-year-old asking a girl on a date, right? But the next time, you're a little more comfortable and a little more comfortable. And the more you're comfortable, the more they'll be comfortable. We'll talk about that next week. May I pray for you. What are the five words? Will they work at Starbucks? I know they'll work at Smith's. Do they work at Albertson's? You get this? Okay. Kingdom connectors. I want to give you another principle. And I gotta, you got to listen fast now. Mark 1.15. Jesus said, The kingdom is here. Repent and believe. Mark was the first of the four Gospels to be written. And uh, I looked really closely at the wording in, in Mark because of, of it being the, the first gospel. Jesus said, <coughs> the kingdom is here, therefore repent and believe. Mark didn't say it as, if you will repent and if you will believe, then you'll see the kingdom. Jesus just gave the kingdom away everywhere. Everywhere. I used to be in meetings and I'd hear some visiting evangelist, and he'd say, if you'll come to Jesus tonight, he'll heal you. And I'd want to throw something at him. That is not the gospel. There is nothing transactional about the gospel. Jesus never once made a deal. Read through the gospels. Read the synoptics. Never once did he say, if you'll just clean up your act, I'll heal you. Why? Because the kingdom is here, and when we experience it, like I see all over the world, everybody's made for the kingdom, you see. They go, oh. And then you say, that was Jesus that touched you. Jesus just touched you on the outside. Now your arm works. He'd like to touch you on the inside. Yeah. We'll do more of this next week. But, but I want you to understand that. Are you getting this? And it's going to be scary the first few times, and then less and less and less scary until it's like past the butter. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. Okay. No time for a story. Hey, you, you bumped me up five minutes. I got, I got to eat ten last time. Now I'm only going to 
only get 8.05. Maybe, is that a comment on how I did last week? Um, I can have seven minutes? Thank you, brother. Let me tell you something about how powerful this gospel is we carry. I told you last week, I began by telling you the gospel of the kingdom is bigger than you ever thought. It's more immediate. It's more inclusive. Did anybody remember me starting that way? I'm telling you it is. Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. If you come back next week, I'll develop that a little bit. But let me give you an example. Years and years ago, my first time in India, boy, years ago, um, I was with a guy. I've got to just tell it really fast. Uh, we're driving to a Bible school. I'm going to be teaching at a Bible school. And on the way, he says, i got to do this little bit of business in this village. I said, fine, go ahead. We went, and it's like stepping back. When you get into an Indian village, if anybody ever wants to come to India with me, it's like stepping back 400 years. The villages, not the cities. So he's gone. I'm just standing there. And uh, I'm in a laneway. And people just start coming, and they're just looking at me. And I'm feeling really white. (laughs) And I'm thinking, come on, Leslie. And the Holy Spirit says to me, pray for that boy over there. I said, uh, pray what? And it just went silent, right? So I went and I prayed for him. And as soon as I did that, somebody came forward. And their hands were all arthritic, and and they wanted me to pray for them. These people didn't know anything about Christ or the gospel or anything. And just then, Leslie comes around, so now i got a translator. And I said, it's Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God, and He's healing you. I didn't want them thinking I was, right? And gets healed. The next one gets healed. The next one gets healed. And I was there for 90 minutes, and my estimate is that I prayed for 100 people, and 100 people got healed. Then Leslie says to me, we got to get to the seminary. Come on. And I thought, well, yeah, that's better to, better to just talk about it than actually do it, right? <laughs> anyway, I was a good boy, and he dragged me off. And do you notice something missing from this story? I never, because I didn't know I was about to get dragged up, I never gave them what we would call the gospel. I didn't explain any spiritual laws or take them down any Roman road or anything. I'm gone. Six weeks later, a man that I know in India, he phones me up. I'm back in Canada. And he says, I was in that village today. He says, I want you to know more people were healed than you could even know. And he tells me some of the healings. I said, oh, that's great. He says, but that's not why I called you. When I got to that village today, and nobody had been there since Leslie pulled me away, that village is praying for the sick in the name of Jesus. And they're praying to Jesus. I'm telling you this so you understand the incredible power you carry of the gospel in you. Is this a bigger gospel than come to Jesus, come to church, go to heaven? You get it? We pray. I love this. You know, I've been, I've been with you guys for, I don't know, two, three months now. I'm having a lot of fun. But I notice often you guys are praying 
You're praying about the crime. You're praying about the schools. You're praying about that stuff. Amen. But can you see, if we begin to understand our true inheritance, which Ephesians 1.14 says is in the Holy Spirit, if we begin to get a hold of the things I'm telling you now, you watch, keep praying, but you watch what God will do. What are the five words that change everything? What's your job? Beauty for ashes. Say beauty for ashes. Make the exchange. All right, we're on the home stretch now. If you're going to step out in the activity of the kingdom, you need to know it involves risk. And in fact, you will only grow in the activity of the kingdom to the degree that you're willing to take risks. What's the thing about a risk? It's that it doesn't always work out. That's why it's a risk. Right? You got that? But you got to take risk. It was always risky following Jesus. We've got Palm Sunday. You can read about it in uh, Mark 1, uh, Mark 11, verse 1 and following. Jesus says, okay, we're, we're going into the next town. I need two of you guys to go into the village and find... Remember this? Well, let me tell you how it worked. Okay, we're going into Rio Rancho, and right by the post office, you'll find a 2022 Lexus with the keys in the ignition. I want you to start it up and bring it to me. And if anybody says, what are you doing? You say, the master has need of it. Why do I give you that example? Because a colt in first century Palestine was so valuable, they were typically shared by two or three families. It was a risk. Feeding the 5,000. I love this. The only miracle that's in all four Gospels. And uh, you know the whole background. You get 5,000 hungry, grouchy people because they're hangry, right? And uh, I'm going to be a couple more minutes, but I'm going real fast. Um, and so Jesus, Father, thank you for what you're going to do. He blesses the bread and the fish, and he hands it out to them. They've got it into groups of hundreds, right? And he hands it out, and he says, Andrew, go feed them. And Andrew has got a little piece of bread and a bit of fish. And he goes over to about 450 hangry people, and he thinks, this is ridiculous. Guys, we read it because we know how the whole story goes. The boys didn't know how it would go. And he walks over, and I love demonstrating this. He walks over, and he says, "Um, this is all I got, but here you go. God bless you. And he's thinking, man, I'm glad that's over. And as he's heading back to Jesus, he looks down at what's in his hand some more bread and fish. He goes, that's weird. I thought I gave it all away. So he goes back. Here, this is for you. Starts to walk back. Wait a minute. And it's, he realizes there's a miracle happening. Another day I'll tell you about the different times we've seen food and medicine multiplied. It's very wonderful. But anyway, he sees a miracle is happening. The miracle only happens when he takes the risk. 
the food is multiplied in the giving. Everything in him wanted to take that bread and just tuck it in his jeans and head back to Jesus and say, I did it. But he didn't. And only then did it multiply. Beloved, when you're at Smith's and your mouth's dry, but you've seen the person and they said, yeah, I, I twisted my ankle. Or you see a woman trying to reach for the top shelf and she can't, what's wrong? Well, I tore my rotator cuff. When you say, may I pray for you? You have just begun a process. And the food is multiplied in the giving. Everybody get that? All right. Now I am at one minute past my time. You will only grow. You will only grow if you're willing to take risks. You're willing to take risks. And sometimes you're not going to get it right. Especially in the beginning, I felt like I never got it right. But you're following Jesus. Beloved, you are called to release the kingdom of God in this city where you work. I promise you, I know it works here. I got eight years of track record now in this city of watching the kingdom released. It's your inheritance. Isn't that good news? Could you guys stand up, please? Next week, I'm going to be very focused on giving you some keys for healing the sick. It's not the only sign of the kingdom, but it is a significant one. Does anybody want to learn more about healing the sick next week? Anybody want to heal the sick in Jesus' name next week? Well, I'll come back if you will. It's our inheritance. It's not a got to, it's a get to. Those five words, listen to what I said. 95%, one study said 97, but 95% of believers never ask that question outside of their home or their church building. What happens if we begin to scatter the seed of the kingdom? Can I pray for you? Jesus, thank you for your amazing, amazing presence. Lord, thank you that for every one of us, you said, come follow me. And what a journey. Thank you, Lord. So I pray a blessing over every one of you in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. I bless you to make the exchange. I bless you to begin to see and hear the sound of ashes. I bless you to release the kingdom. I bless you for parts of your life you didn't even know were dormant to just come alive with the rhythm of the kingdom. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you need healing tonight, 
I want to encourage you to come and receive that from prayer team. There's somebody here who has, um, it's a problem with your esophagus. You have a real swallowing problem. If you'd come forward, Jesus is going to heal that. I've had the name ever since I started driving here, and I don't know hardly any of your names yet, but um, I kept hearing Lynn or Lynette, and God wants to do a deep healing in your heart. Last week, I talked about being invisible, and there were a number of folks who you're just dealing with pain, the pain of rejection, the pain of past hurt. Pastor Richard and I were talking about that today. He heals hearts. He heals lives. He heals relationships. By the way, he'll heal that person who has a really weak ankle that keeps turning over. If you'll come, he'll, he'll just tighten those ligaments for you today. And also the three people with some sort of a lung disease or disorder, he will heal you. Could we get prayer team up here with these guys? And what I want you to do, prayer team, can everybody hear me? Before you start praying, I want you to ask them, what do you need Jesus to do? And then ask if it's okay. Let's say it's their ankle. Could I put my hand on your ankle? Maybe they're, they've got the, the lung problem. Could I, could I put my hand over your lung? And you pray in the name of Jesus. It's your authority. So come around in front of them. Don't be behind them because you can't see them from behind. I know that's different. But, but if you're going to pray for somebody, come right in front so you can look them in the eye and find out what, you need, what they need. And I don't know who that woman is, Lynn or Lynette or Linda or something, but the name just was resonating in me as I drove here. got louder as I got closer. God bless you. And, and just because I shouldn't forget, because Debbie's out there, if you, if you want to have a look at the, the journeys or, or have a look at the, the books, especially the first two that deal right with what we've covered today. If you're part of the prayer team, Come in front of the people so you can pray with them. Yeah. And uh, I know some of you are on tight schedules and you have to leave. Yep. If you have to, uh, please do that quietly but in the spirit of prayer. Those of you that are still here, ask God what he wants of you right now. Ask him what he wants of you. And may we pray for you. May we pray for you. Maybe you're being tugged on to go pray with somebody right now. Just go up to them and say, may I pray with you? Truly, God, thank you for what you're doing. Is there, is there any at the front here who haven't had someone to pray for them? Nobody there? Um, thank you. God bless you. Worship the Lord. Sing this song out as a prayer and just as a declaration of what he's doing. A declaration of who he is. Because he gives life. He is life. And he wants to just minister.